Yes, we did. Yes, we can. Thank you. God bless you. Hello, and welcome to 50 Stars Plus, a podcast meant to talk about the political, cultural, and societal differences between the United States and Switzerland, as well as Europe. Joining me today is Nicola Imfeld, a premier political correspondent from Switzerland's biggest newspaper, Blick, who spent the last three years here in sunny San Diego covering the Trump presidency, and who now works in Zurich as an economic correspondent. Well, hello, Alex. Thanks for the warm welcome. This uh, is Alex Wyckoff. Um, he's maybe your future US president. At least that's his big dream. And he's on a good path. He already worked with uh, several local Democrats in California and with many other candidates nationally, such as Kamala Harris or Bernie Sanders. Alex Wyckoff just graduated with his master from Univers- University of Southern California in San Diego in public policy. Congrats, my friend. Thank you, thank you. I'm really, really glad to uh, no longer be writing so many papers. Oh my gosh. It must be hard. I know. I mean, I don't know because I'm not a student. I worked all my life since I'm 16, but I'm uh, ready to go back to school in fall. So I'm looking forward to write some papers as well. Wait, I actually didn't know you're doing that. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start an economics bachelor degree four years and I continue to work part time for Blake as a journalist. Oh, that's amazing. Congrats. I'm looking forward to seeing what you learn and uh, seeing what you bring to the podcast from your your courses. Yeah, well, we see. I will try my best. (laughs) Well, uh, we're celebrating a little bit uh, today. Well, not just a little bit. As I know, happy birthday, America. I mean, that's the probably the biggest day, the biggest, biggest party in America. I mean, it was always my favorite day. Today is 4th of July. We have to say, though, we are not recording this on 4th of July. It wasn't possible. We're recording this a little bit beforehand. But today in America is the 4th of July. A lot of drinking, a lot of fireworks. I mean, it was my favorite day. Unfortunately, last year with the pandemic, not that great. But uh, it's a fest. It's a party, right? Absolutely. It's one of my favorite uh, events of the whole year. Um, You'll remember, Nicola, from your time here that uh, usually I like to host an annual party. Uh, in the past, that's been in a nice town called Hermosa Beach, which is a beach town in California. More recently, I've decided to just host in San Diego, as that's logistically simpler. And it's always great. You know, you get a lot of people together, like at a pool or the ocean. You grill. Um, there are a lot of drinks, a lot of festivities. And everyone's always so excited. It's always the energy and I always admire and respect the the love people have for this country. I mean, it's a great reason today drink, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, with, with the 4th of July, I mean, there are differences. We're going to talk about it, um, how you celebrate your national day differently than we here in Switzerland. But what's the same is, you know, we get together, we have a barbecue, we share some drinks and we have a good time. It's the same in America as in Switzerland. Do you uh, do you guys like to display your uh, your Swiss flag everywhere in all your decorations when you celebrate? <laughs> I knew that that question came. As you know, Alex, nobody loves their flag as much as Americans. At least it looks that way. I mean, 
Swiss people have to know. When you walk through American streets, if you've been there, you know that everywhere is an American flag. They love it so much. You see this American flag everywhere. But on 4th of July, it's crazy. It's so crazy. Not just on every building, on every corner, there's another American flag. And no, Alex, we, uh, we, we don't, we have on our Swiss mountains, we have our Swiss flags, but that's pretty much it. So we're not in love that much with our flag. I've got something crazy this year, actually. Um, I will be wearing uh, American flag swim shorts and sunglasses. Uh, maybe I'll put a picture on our social media. Um, and I'm also planning to hand out uh, American flag coronavirus masks, these disposable American flag coronavirus masks for anybody who needs them. So we're getting really festive. Classic, classic. But I mean, you're more on the liberal side, Alex. And um, as we know, the patriots in your country, so to speak, or that's how they call them, they uh, celebrate the 4th of July a little bit more or it has a bigger meaning to them, right? Well, I'm not sure I'd say that liberals aren't patriots. Um, I would say that in America, liberals and conservatives, you know, both love the 4th of July, but in different ways and definitely have uh, some different thoughts on it. Well, you know, in, in Switzerland, we also have this maybe distinction, but it's, uh, as I've experienced it, much, uh, much smaller. I mean, we, maybe we have to explain that. It's not conservatives and liberals in Switzerland. Liberals actually mean in Swiss politics, you're still pretty on the right side. We have uh, people from the left and pro from the right. Everybody is celebrating the National Day, which is on August 1st. Um, but obviously, maybe... Swiss people, more conservative people are maybe celebrating it more traditionally, I guess. Uh, also, maybe with some displays of the Swiss flag or with some sound bites that are more traditionally, whereas young people just use this day to be together. It's a national holiday. And maybe Switzerland is not that much in the center of all the festivities as it is for other people. But I think the difference in America is much bigger. Yeah, it is much, much bigger. I mean, you know, on the one hand... You have um, people like Donald Trump who want to come out and say, yes, 4th of July, amazing, Independence Day. Uh, America is the greatest country in the world, and we're going to celebrate that. And then on the liberal side, you know, uh, something that Barack Obama might say is he'd still say that he feels America is the greatest country in the world. Uh, it's actually rather controversial for a politician not to say that. But I mean, he's dead. If if Obama wouldn't say that, he would have been politically dead. Let's be honest. Yeah, he would have lost re-election if he hadn't said America is the greatest. Um, but you know, I think liberals uh, and progressives and those on the left in America, they do still celebrate Fourth of July. Most of them, but they'll they'll talk about it with a little more nuance, a little more detail. Uh, you know, like, we'll acknowledge, yeah, Independence Day, the freedom of America, but it's also important uh, to acknowledge how hard it has been to earn some of that freedom. I mean, not everyone was free when this country was founded. This country was founded on slavery. It was founded on tragedies like the Trail of Tears, where we forced thousands of Native Americans to march thousands of miles onto new reservations. And it was practically a genocide. And so liberals especially will try to acknowledge the, the shortcomings 
the times when we've fallen short of our ideals of liberty and justice. But I, I get that, but I also have to be honest here. I mean, even liberals on the 4th of July, I had to watch out and shut my mouth and drink my Budweiser. And I was no, I should not have talked about the flaws of America and that it's not the greatest country of the world. Let's be honest. Americans don't want to hear that on 4th of July. Even the liberals, even the young people, not really on that day, maybe on the other days of the year, but on 4th of July, Americans are proud. Even the liberals. Even you, Alex. Oh, absolutely. You kidding me? I love my country. Um, I, I'll admit, yeah, I spend a lot of days uh, criticizing the ways that we have not kept consistent with our values. But when it's 4th of July, you know, maybe, maybe just shut up and let me grill or something like that. Uh, though something that's interesting is a lot of people don't know that, um, that the left movement in the U S is not a uniform movement. It's split up. There's liberals who are maybe a little closer to the center, closer to Barack Obama. And then there are progressives who are going to be the actual left, like, you know, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Bernie Sanders. And a lot of those people, the progressives, um, They'll say that they might not enjoy celebrating the 4th of July, some of them, because it is the case that a lot of a lot of Americans do not experience the same fundamental liberties. For example, if you're gay in America, gay marriage was only legalized in 2015 in the Supreme Court case Obergefell v. Hodges. Excuse me, Alex, at least it's legal in America since 2015. Did you know... Alex, that in Switzerland, it's still not legal for a gay couple to marry. Did you know that? I did know that. We, we actually have an initiative, a so-called initiative, where the Swiss people can vote in September. And we finally vote if lesbian and gay people can marry, for example, in the church and have the same rights as married couple who are um, heterosexual. And we're voting on that in September. It's looking good. I think uh, they have a big lead. The yes that it's going to be a yes. But um, yeah, I mean, first we have to legalize it. So you already have that. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that initiative is going on in your country. Um, really, really excited for it. And yeah, like, th this is one way in which I understand where folks are coming from when they say there are people who have less liberty, because it is true, we do have that. But on the other hand, this is also part of why I celebrate the 4th of July so hard is... There are so many countries behind us on this now that have not yet legalized gay marriage or not yet given some of the same rights that we afford some of our citizens. And so in a lot of ways, we lead the world in certain aspects of freedom. I'm not saying all of them, but we do lead the world in some, and that's something to be proud of. Well, maybe that's something we have to um, deepen another time, but we cannot talk about the 4th of July, Alex, and not talk about... Donald Trump, because honestly, the last three years I was in America, celebrated 4th of July. I mean, some people are not even showing the US flags anymore. They're just showing their Trump flags. Trump flags is like a, it's like the same as an American flag for them. And I'm wondering, and no, on this podcast, we're not always going to talk about Donald Trump. Don't worry. But today we will. I'm wondering, what is Donald Trump doing? And I'm wondering, maybe you can tell us, is Donald Trump still an active figure in US politics? He's still very active in U.S. politics, yeah. Uh, he actually had his first post-presidential rally uh, last week 
and it had a really big turnout. But it's changed compared to when he first came uh, down that elevator uh, or came down that escalator uh, a few years ago. Now it seems to be a lot more, it's more aggressive. The people who go to the rallies are angrier. The energy is no longer about hope, but about feeling aggrieved. And so Trump is feeling, it seems, very vengeful right now. And he's made that very clear in our politics. Yeah, it seems to be, they seem to be more, more desperate. You know, I'm not following it as closely, obviously, anymore when I was there reporting about it. But uh, I'm telling you here in Switzerland, the Swiss media, we don't read a lot about Donald Trump anymore since he's not on Twitter anymore, since he's out of the White House. I mean, for European news, for European people, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they forgot about Donald Trump, but um, he's, he's not visible anymore here. I guess that's different in America, right? Yeah, I think the problem is a lot of other countries uh, prefer to keep higher standards of professionalism in their journalism. And the U.S. is a country that's very much about sensationalism. You know, we're the country that invented yellow journalism, which is uh, the idea that you exaggerate or fluff your stories in order to get more viewership. We're kind of the innovators behind that idea. And... As a result, the journalism culture here wants to cover controversy. It wants to cover craziness and chaos. And regardless of how you feel about him, whether you support him or not, everybody can agree. Donald Trump embodies chaos. He is a very unique candidate and he was a very unique president. And so we continue to cover him and everything he does. He, he embodies chaos. And um, we also saw that during the Black Lives uh matter protests, right? Um, remember when uh, the protesters were in front of the White House protesting peacefully? Not every protest was peacefully, but this was peacefully. And um, he actually called the police, the Secret Service, and, um, well, he got rid of the protesters by, uh, by force. Remember, that was chaotic. And uh, that brings us to Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Yeah, I think it really... It kind of helps illustrate the point we were trying to make a little earlier. Um talking about how not everybody not everybody f feels the same about the 4th of July. On the one hand, you have Donald Trump. He's going to say, shut up, love America. America has no flaws. On the other hand, yeah, you'll see folks of different races disagree. Definitely a lot of black Americans, I think, celebrate this holiday a little with a little bit more sense of how hard it's been for them to get those liberties. Not just conquering slavery, but conquering segregation, where it was legal to separate blacks and whites. Uh, or conquering things like the war on drugs, where black people are several times more likely to get arrested for drug crimes, even though they're actually less likely than some other groups to use or sell some of these drugs. And so, for them, there's still a lot of systemic racism, and they're very aware that their liberty is not complete, and uh, what liberty they do have took a lot of effort. Hmm. Well, you know, at the moment, I mean, um, racism was a big subject in Switzerland when this whole uh, Black Lives Matter protest went on in America one year ago, and we actually had a, a discussion um, show in Switzerland where there were uh, some black people, their black folks who were talking about their experience in Switzerland and uh, they shared that they also experienced uh, racism in their daily lives, which was, um, I guess, still shocking to some people, 
who are not in these shoes, right? In Switzerland, racism is not as much in the news. It's not as big as of a topic as it is in America. Obviously, it is also a topic. Um, Alex, as you maybe know, we have a lot of people, a lot of refugees, former refugees came from the Balkan area region, Albanians, Serbians. And, um, well, these people, I mean, I have friends from there. Some of these people also um, share their experience of, of racism. And um, it's, but it, it's different. You know, I'm, I'm talking, I'm not saying that there is differences in racism. We, are, we have to call out all kinds of racism. But we're talking here about also very bad but we're talking here about you want to get an apartment and if you have a name which ends with IC, which is a classic, you know, a classic name in the Balkan area, you have it harder to get an apartment. And that's because they are from there and Swiss people have their thoughts in mind about people from there. That's racism. But in America, again, I don't want to, I don't want to make differences between racism, but it's, uh, you know, in America... It's much more in the news. It's much people are talking about it every day. In um, in Switzerland, it's not like that. Yeah, I think America's relationship with race is very, very potent. It's kind of a fundamental part of this country because even from the origin of the U.S., you know, in 1776 when we wrote the Constitution, the founding fathers didn't exactly know what to do about the issue of slavery and black people in America. And by the time we got our constitution done, we had decided to make a compromise where black people would only count as three-fifths of a person when counting state populations. And so even from the beginning, we've had controversies with race, and it's been part of the soul of America, where we've had a whole civil war over slavery, and... We've had the civil rights movement and now new versions of that in the form of Black Lives Matter. Right, right. And remember when um, there was racism against Barack Obama, when there were questions about his heritage? Is he really American? Is he from Kenya? That's uh, something, uh, a similarity happening right, happening right now in Switzerland. We have the um, European Championship, the soccer tournament going on right now. And our Swiss national team has a lot of people from the Balkan areas who migrated to Switzerland and who are obviously Swiss. And uh, also uh, people from the continent of Africa, uh, other players uh, who are black. And, you know, Alex, very interestingly, when Switzerland loses a game in a, such a big tournament, everybody complains. And when they complain, they don't complain about our goalkeeper who has a Swiss name, or they don't complain about Steven Zuber, who is a Swiss midfielder. I mean, all of them are Swiss, but who has a Swiss name. They complain about Granit Chaka, Gerdan Chachiri, names from Albania, because it seems like it's easier to hate on them than on the Swiss names. But when they win, as they just did against France, a, a huge victory, everybody loves them again, right? When they win, everybody is Swiss. When they lose, all of a sudden, some people are not Swiss anymore, they're foreigners. And that's also kind of racism. A kind of racism. It is, yeah. It's interesting. We don't have that as much in the U.S. You know, it's there is racism in our sports, but it's it's systemic. It's that most franchises and managers are white, and there are also many black athletes who get underpaid, especially in the NCAA, which is our, our college sports. Uh, we have a lot of these really talented black athletes, and they don't get paid at all. Uh, 
But yeah, we don't really have this idea where if we lose, then we become more racist towards certain players. Uh, generally, America is kind of a bandwagoning country, I will admit, uh, especially here in California. Uh, we have a lot of people who like to bandwagon sports teams. And so it's common to hate on a sports team as a whole when it loses uh, and love that sports team when it wins. But race doesn't factor as much uh, when it comes to winning and losing. Yeah, and, and that's where you're different. Actually, I think Switzerland, a lot of Swiss people, I mean, they want to see the, 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 the guys fight on the pitch, but it doesn't really matter that much. I mean, you know, Americans always want to be the best. They think, Americans think they are the best. The best. I mean, it's the biggest. They're supposed to be the biggest superpower. They still are. They think they are the best. Swiss people know that we're a small country. We don't think we are the best. So we can lose. All we want to see is the... The people on the pitch um, bring in a fight. But I want to ask you something in, in sports and about racism. Interestingly, you know, a couple of years ago, people said the famous sentence, shut up and dribble, right, to basketball players. But nowadays, it seems, at least for me, correct me if I'm wrong, much more normal that guys like LeBron James speak out and really bring politics into the sport. It has become more common. I think... It was always more common than people realize, you know, with folks like um, folks like Tom Brady or uh, Peyton Manning were willing to be a little open about their beliefs to a degree in the past. Uh, but I think what really opened it up was Colin Kaepernick kneeling in the NFL. You know, that was really, really controversial here. A lot of people hate him for it. The NFL stopped signing him for it. Uh, though he did get some sweet uh, Nike commercial deals, so I'm happy he was able to get those. And ever since then, we've had this conversation. What role should politics play in sports? Should athletes be using their platform to promote certain political beliefs? I think they absolutely have that right. The First Amendment guarantees it. And so ever since Colin Kaepernick, yeah, we've seen things like LeBron James is able to speak out on his political beliefs, to a degree at least. You know, like, there's, it, it's still not always the case because for, for China, for example, there are certain things you can't say when we're sending our players to play in China. And even here, when LeBron James has been talking his politics, Donald Trump was attacking him on Twitter. So you might remember, Nikola, we had the president of the United States spent several days harassing an NBA player on Twitter. And so it's not it's not perfect. Like we we haven't quite gotten to the place where athletes can just speak their minds yet. They still get a lot of backlash. You know Alex, I I agree with you. I mean um politics definitely you should be able to speak out as a professional athlete but what i want to emphasize here also i see that in switzerland a lot we have this great guy maybe some americans know him roger federer the greatest tennis player on earth and he doesn't speak he, he doesn't speak at all about politics he never said anything politically we don't know where he's what he stands for if he's even interested in politics and that's his right too he does not have to speak about politics if he doesn't wish to obviously you can say well that's weak he should stand up for some causes that's your opinion but i think if roger federer says in interviews over and over again i don't wanna i don't wanna position myself politically that's also a human right we should also respect that i think so i think 
these athletes do have the right to stay silent because a lot of the time when they choose not to be silent, they invite harassment from a lot of other people. And sometimes that harassment can touch their family and they can get death threats. And I know that's not, that's not amazing to, to have happen to you. It must be absolutely terrifying, really. So for Roger Federer to come out and say, no, I don't want to speak on my politics, I completely understand. He's looking out for his personal life. He's looking out for his family members. And any athletes in the U.S., I would respect that as well, because, especially because, death threats uh, are very common here for political beliefs. Right. Right. Well, Alex, I'm sure we're going to talk about that issue a lot more in, uh, in, coming, in coming episodes. But now it's time um, for our little game, which we're going to start and which we're going to continue over time. I'm going to explain it real quick. Um, I'm going to ask Alex every week, every two weeks, this podcast is going to be published every two weeks, a question about Switzerland, which Alex should know. A uh, cultural, funny question about Switzerland. And uh, Alex is going to ask me, vice versa, a question about America, which I hope I know. Alex, do you want to start? Yeah, uh, I do. So, Nicola, this one you should know. We've talked about it many times when you were here. Uh, and if anything, you should know this because I'm about to ask you about your brother's favorite American football team. Uh, the Washington football team was not always called this. What was their name before? And why did they have to change? Alex, I'm very disappointed in you. You should know it's not just my brother's favorite football team. It's also mine favorite football team. Obviously, it was called the Washington Redskins. Big controversy, the name, right? And now it's called the Washington football team. And I hope they, um, they leave that name. I like the name. A lot of Americans don't like it. I like it. Um, yeah, I hope they leave it. So I guess that's a point for me, right? Uh, do you know why they changed? That was part of my question. Oh, okay. Yes, I know. Because of the controversy. I mean, a lot of uh, foreign Americans, uh, not foreign, sorry, um, a lot of Native Americans um, felt that this term um, is, is racist, the Washington Redskins. And I mean, not just, uh, yeah. So, so that's why the pressure was too high on the club owner and um, Nike was threatening to end their sponsorship and yes, so he had to change it, I guess. Yeah, that's correct. That's one point for you. We'll be keeping track of points for the entire season of our episodes. At the end of the season, we'll see who has more points. What do I get if I beat you, Alex? I don't think we've actually clarified that. Uh, we can make the bet on air on the episode. Well, hmm, that would be interesting. Well, if, if, if I win, you're going to buy with your own money... Uh, jersey from Grasshopper Club Zurich, my favorite soccer team. And uh, you put my name on it. And then you walk through San Diego whenever you want with the Grasshopper Club Zurich jersey with Nikola Infeld on the back. All right. Uh, in that case, I want something very similar, actually. Um, if I win, I want you to buy my favorite football team, the San Francisco 49ers jersey, uh, with my name on it. So you get to walk through Zurich with the best-looking jersey of all time, the 49ers jersey with the Wyckoff name on it. Boo. Well, all right, Alex, one to zero for me. My question? Alex, very easy one. I'm sad if you don't know it. Alex, what's the most important game in Swiss football? 
What do you mean the most important game? What's the most important game? Like, I give you a hint, you know, a whole city behind it, desperately waiting for that game. The most important, the most... Of course, it's a derby. It's going to be a rivalry game. And which one? Uh, in your opinion, I think it will be <laughs> the one we'll be seeing soon in August, which will be uh, the Grasshoppers Club Zurich against uh, FC Zurich, which means Football Club Zurich. Two Zurich-based soccer teams, one of which is your favorite, one of which is your rival. Correct. And it is the most iconic game in Swiss, in Swiss football. Maybe not everybody agrees with it, but uh, historically, I would say that's uh, actually a, a correct answer. So one to one, we keep track of it. All right. All right. Well, uh, speaking of that, you know, in our last few minutes, you know, you've been in Switzerland now for almost six months uh, since leaving the US. And I'm curious uh, how it's going there. Uh, how are how's the coronavirus? Are things open? How's vaccination? Well, I'm telling you, Alex, when I left San Diego in February, everything was closed for almost a year and it looked terrible in America. I mean, you were nowhere. Switzerland had summer 2020 open. People were going to clubs, even had a good time. And then they had a, a harsh uh, fall and a, a hard winter. And when I came back, I had to go to quarantine. I mean, there were a lot of restrictions. It was really bad. And it was especially bad for me because when I was looking back, Meanwhile, I was in quarantine in Switzerland. San Diego was opening up. All of a sudden, when I left, you guys uh, made progress, which I'm happy for you, obviously. And, um, well, it was it was a hard spring, I'd say. But then, the last two, three months, it, it got better rapidly. And we have very low case numbers right now. We um, we have a good vaccination rate. We, we, we have some steps to go there, but we're on a good track, I guess. I'm vaccinated fully. And um, every, almost everything is open. I mean, you can go to clubs, you can go to bars, restaurants are open. Even big events are allowed again um, since a couple of days. So we're back in the game, I'd say. And America is back in the game for a long time already, right? Yeah, we've been reopening for a while now. Uh, we're almost entirely reopened. Um, right now in California, it's up to the business. So... Uh, depending on the storefront that you walk into, the store gets to decide if you have to wear a mask or not. But we can demask in most places. Uh, grocery stores, generally, still you should wear a mask. Nightclubs are opening back up. They're only just now starting. Some are still closed. Some are open. All of our bars are open now. And I've had the opportunity to go out and experience some nightlife for the first time in over a year. And it's been really great. I'm happy for you, Alex. Is uh, Tell me, is Gaslamp, uh, San Diego's entertainment district, uh, are the bars opening up? You know, like, are the bars are the bars still there, the clubs, or are a lot of out of business? A lot of the bars are still there. I'm really surprised to say that almost none of my favorites closed. Uh, there's a bar called Whiskey Girl that I like a lot that I admit I wasn't sure they would make it, and they did. Uh, my absolute favorite bar in Gaslamp, Tipsy Crow, uh, it's my favorite because it has three floors, one of which is a dance floor, is still open. I'm really happy about that. Um, yeah, so it's been really good. Uh, some restaurants have closed, unfortunately. But luckily, luckily, uh, La Puerta, this phenomenal Mexican place downtown, is still open. Well, uh, Tipsy Crow, good memories, definitely. Uh, Alex, you know, something interesting here. I mean, I, I don't know because I've left Switzerland for three years, but... 
I don't hear a lot about clubs who are not reopening or bars who are not reopening. They they seem to have dealt with this pandemic financially pretty good, thanks to the help of the of the Swiss government of and of the taxpayers, obviously. Um, but what's interesting in Switzerland, Alex, we have, you know, you can only enter clubs right now when you're vaccinated or when you're neg when you have a negative test or when you already had COVID nineteen. So three of that options, and there is a big controversy in Switzerland going on. If this is actually, you know, how how do I say it in uh, in English? Um, if you have to vaccinate, you know, we don't we don't want to make a vaccination compulsory, right? Um, but people arguing, well, if you need to be vaccinated, or you need a negative test, or you need to have need to have had COVID nineteen, this is actually kind of like vaccination is is compulsory. So there's a big controversy going on in Switzerland. People feel left out. We're experiencing that here too, where a lot of people feel discriminated against for not getting vaccinated. And to that end, I'll be honest, I think it's perfectly reasonable for a business to require that because the business's motive is to profit. The business owner needs to feed their family, you know, put food on the table. And a lot more people will feel unsafe if a business isn't following the appropriate COVID-19 protocols. And so... I say a private business absolutely has the right to deny you entry and service for not being vaccinated. Wait, 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 wait. Important question. And if the government steps in, I think that would be government overreach a little bit. Okay, that's because that's the point, Alex. I wanted to ask you, private business? Okay, I get it. But the government telling the businesses, uh, the, the, the club owners, if you want to open, you can only let in people who are vaccinated, who had the disease or who have a negative test. Is that, in your opinion, too much, what the Swiss government is doing? I would suggest that it depends on how far you are with vaccinations, because at the end of the day, it is government overreach to try and tell a private business what they can and can't do, but we do also need to acknowledge that certain regulations are necessary for public safety, and it is your government's job to keep the people safe. And so, you know, if we only had like 20% of people vaccinated, for example, then I would say, yeah, the government absolutely needs to enforce that. But if we're talking more like 80, 90% vaccination rate, and, you know, most of the country is starting to go back to normal life, then I would say that it should be up to the business only and government should not overreach into that. I mean, it sounds so good when you say 80 to 90% vaccination rate, but let's be honest, Alex, I've read the American newspapers and know the situation here in Switzerland. Unfortunately, it's just not going to happen. We're not even going to reach 70%. Even in America, it's slowed down. Joe Biden is not going to reach his vaccination goal. He set for 4th of July, for today. People are not, the young people especially, are not getting vaccinated as much as we hoped, correct? That is true. Though, as long as we get what's called the herd immunity threshold, then it's okay. Um, because what we're looking at is not a total proportion of the population, but the percentage of people needed to create herd immunity within a community, within a society. So, uh, for San Diego, for example, we have a population of 3.5 million, but to create herd immunity, we only need to vaccinate 2.1 million. And we've already passed that goal for first dose. We're about to hit that goal for second dose. 
And I think Joe Biden can get that done countrywide. I do think we'll be able to reach herd immunity. And once we've done that, I think that absolutely, let's let businesses decide what's going on. Alex, to end this podcast, I want to put you on the stand and uh, ask you a question. You want to be a president someday. You want to do at least a political career in America. And I want to know from you, you know, when we don't reach in America this goal of herd immunity and we go into the fall, the cases are rising, the hospitals are filled again. Would you consider, if you would be the president, uh, making vaccination uh, compulsory? I would, yes. I think that it's not an easy decision to make. We have to keep in mind that there is still an economy that people's businesses and livelihoods are dependent on. But we also have to consider that if everybody dies, then there's nobody to shop at these businesses and nobody to live these lives. And so the ultimate job, the greatest responsibility of the president of any country is to keep the citizens of that country safe and keep them prosperous. And so I would consider making it mandatory, but I would also want to have other provisions. I liked Joe Biden's American Rescue Plan, for example, that gave a lot of loans to small businesses that helped provide Americans with much-needed relief checks. And I'm a big fan of his infrastructure plan, not the bipartisan one that just... I uh, got talked about, but the original one where he was willing to invest trillions in making America into an unparalleled modern superpower. I don't think that one will pass, though, but um, I do think that kind of legislation is necessary to pair with something like a vaccine mandate. Well, I'm happy, Alex, that I'm the journalist and I can ask these questions, but I don't have to answer them. So props to you for an honest answer. I think we wrap up the, the first podcast. Guys, thanks for listening. Um, you can follow us on all social media accounts, 50 Stars Plus. We're also happy to get a feedback. Please share us, tell your friends. And um, we would love to welcome you back in two weeks. Right, Alex? Absolutely. And uh, 50 Stars Plus, that's going to be five zero Stars and Plus is spelled out P-L-U-S. Exactly. And our email is 50starsplus at gmail.com. If you have feedback, any suggestions, let us know. Have a great week. Happy 4th of July, America. Happy Independence Day. Yes, we can. Thank you. God bless you.